0: Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. Allow me to remind you of our theme for this year, Every Tongue Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it with me. Every Tongue Confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's our intention for the evening. Before we begin, just a matter of housekeeping. Someone owns a blue van that's over by Powers, and your dome lights are on. They might be off in a while. I just thought you might like to know. Well, let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, what a wondrous gift it is, these eyes of faith, that help us in this posture with our eyes closed, heads bowed, yet to see so clearly. Things that others, and perhaps even we at a different time, would have laughed at. thank you for making yourself so real to us so that our hearts just wish to expand until we unfold you knowing that in some wonderful way you have enfolded us already there are within our number some very deep and pressing needs would you meet each one from that rich place you have that storehouse of grace and outside these walls there are folks that are hurting so deeply some who just a day ago were celebrating a miracle of life only to discover that it was all wrong it was not true and now they sorrow again be with them and enfold them give them your comfort And now, Lord, would you uh, hear not just our words, but feel our hearts of devotion and love for you. And may this time be profitable for your work, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you for showing up. Appreciate that. I've discovered it's always better to preach when there are folks listening. Honestly, I had a dream last night that I was uh, invited to uh, preach in a, in a large church and I stood up and looked out and there was no one there. Uh, I preached anyway. And I enjoyed it. And that's, uh, that's the way I want to live. Hope, you, hope, hope you'll understand that someday if you don't understand it now. Just a few days after Christmas, the parents of Jesus took him to be circumcised and gave his name to be Jesus. Uh, there was no debate about that. There had been debate about his, his kinsman John, or kinsbaby, kinsbaby John. Uh, there had been an argument about what the name would be, you'll remember, but with Jesus there was not. The angel had already, had already settled that. Did, did you know that, that, that the name Jesus is the anglicized version? of the uh, Latin version, of the Greek version, of the Aramaic version, of the Hebrew name Joshua? Oh, you knew that? Well, see if I can say something tonight you didn't know already. Come to that. The angel had said, you will call him Jesus for he will save his people. He'll be their redeemer and that's what the name means. We're glad for it. Um, Jewish tradition, based on uh, on Levitical law, said that after eight days, the child was to be circumcised, especially sons was to be circumcised, uh, and after 40 days, uh, he was to be uh, with his mother uh, cleansed, a, a ritualistic cleansing, you understand. And so, uh, sometime uh, after 40 days, they would uh, they, some of you are laughing and and, and if you don 't know why, uh, Professor Warrington will tell you later um, uh, forty days uh, after uh, after Christmas day, the parents of Jesus took him the the short relatively short distance from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, and there, in the temple they uh, they they celebrate a short ritual, which was a ritual of cleansing, in which uh, the mother and child were, were pronounced to be ceremonially clean on the basis of uh, the presentation of two doves or two pigeons uh, in, in place of uh, two lambs, which was required by law, but the pigeons were allowed for those who were poor. Please do not forget that over and over again we are reminded that Jesus was born into not only a poor country. He was born to poor people in a poor country, and uh, there's probably some great significance in that, and it's also why most of us feel very, very comfortable among God's folks. Uh, And if you become a Nazarene pastor, we have it as a matter of of, uh, theological persuasion that we will encourage the poverty as much as possible. Thank you for laughing at that. It was not, a, it was not, a, it was because you understand very deeply. Sometime in, 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 the, in that ceremony, whether before the actual ceremony or after, but there in the outer courts of the temple, suddenly a, a man came from nowhere. And we read about it in the second chapter of Luke. You know, we, we, we spend a lot of time on the first 19 verses of Luke chapter 2. I want to spend some time on the verses with the verses that uh, come uh, after that. I'm going to begin my reading with the, the 25th verse and read all the way through the 35th verse because there's a story here that uh, while we all know it, we, we probably haven't examined it too closely. Uh, for example, most people believe that the cleansing and the, and the circumcision all happened at the same time. It didn't. There was at least three weeks uh, difference of time and probably more like four to five weeks difference in time there. Uh, because they're different events. But here is the story. Would you stand with me as we read from God's Word? I'm using the New American Standard Version. Again, I'm reading from verses 25 through 35. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the rise and fall or the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And the sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed and my theme this evening is my eyes have seen father your word is what we really have come to hear would you now enter our presence make your word real in our hearts in our minds i pray in jesus name amen well we know so very little about the man, Simeon. But in this, uh, in this story, I'd like to make three points. Go figure, would you? Three points, okay, uh, three points. The first point I'd like to talk about is that Simeon was chosen to see. Second point, he was chosen to speak. Third point, he was chosen to bless. Okay, you got that? I'll, I'll repeat them in a little bit later, but I want, you, I want you to see them. He was chosen to see, he was chosen to speak. He was chosen to bless. Uh, who in the world was Simeon? We meet him only here. Uh, scholars have worked very hard to try to discover who he might be, and uh, they've not been able to settle on that with any kind of clarity at all. There were, there were many people named Simeon in that city, in that land, in that day. The name Simeon was about as, about as normal as John or Bill or Pete so we don't know for sure, but there, but there were at least two Simeons that people like to think could have been this man. One of them was a, a man who was known for his, for his character. He was the son of the greatest philosopher and doctor and teacher in, in Jerusalem in that age. and His name was Simeon, and, and he was noted for being a, just a really great guy, and perhaps it was he. Uh, there, there was another one who said that there was a Simeon who at that time was listed on the rolls as the president of the Sanhedrin. You know, you know the Sanhedrin, the, uh, the, the ruling body of Jews to the extent that they could rule, and, and was made up of those people who were somebody, at least they were somebody to those who thought about how important it was to be somebody, and maybe this somebody, the president of all those somebodies was the one. And And, and I'm not quite convinced really not that it matters too much but what bothers me is the fact that it it always makes us happy to find out that somebody who is somebody likes what we like you know he agrees with me he says great things wow that's mighty nice and 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 yet and yet God always continues to do the greatest things through the through the most normal of people. And I would rather like to think that Simeon did not necessarily have, or at least he didn't have to have those kind of credentials. But he did have some credentials, you see, this, this Simeon. It says right here in the, in the Word about him. And if you keep your Bibles open, I think, I think you can follow this sermon pretty quickly, and I'm gonna lay it out just as much as I possibly can. First of all, we know that he was a righteous man. The the, the original language makes us realize we could say righteous or or just. He was a a good man. He was was someone who, who knew God's law and kept it not out of any external pressure, but because there was something lovely about God's law to him. And he kept it and people said, you'll get a fair shake from this guy. You can count on him. If he says it, it's true. He will always treat you fairly. He understands justice not as a a philosophical concept, but he understands justice from the sense that he wants to be fair with everybody and for fairness to reflect back on him. he's He's a righteous, just man. And then the second word we know about him here is the fact that he was a man who was devout. Uh, This word is really an interesting word because it means that he had no pretense about his religion. He was definitely a religious man, but it wasn't for the sake of being religious. There was no show in it. It was genuine. It was real. When When he went to church, he went to church. And wherever he was, church just seemed to start, because he was devout. Um, the word "devout" comes the word from the English word "devotion," and that English word and the Greek word it translates both of them have built into them the idea of uh, of destruction. That's why some people say, "I'm going to devote this to God," and so they would burn it, because. Something fully devoted to God is so devoted that it doesn't belong anywhere else or doing anything else. 100%. But not in some some scary radical way, but in some very comforting radical way. He was devout. So we know that about him. So he had credentials, you see. He had credentials. It says too that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Very interesting language, especially for those of us who theologically have understood that the Holy Spirit didn't really come into the church until the day of Pentecost. And so we say, what's the Holy Spirit doing on somebody here before the day of Pentecost? What does that mean? Well, well, maybe we'll have some comfort in the fact that the word upon is used here instead of within. Within, we understand. Upon, we're not really certain. But let me point out to you here that the Holy Spirit being upon him here does not in itself designate any moral superiority or power or strength. Though it may have been there, that was not the point. The point was that the Holy Spirit being upon him was introduced for two factors that are coming here in just a moment. Because you see, it said that he had been told by the Holy Spirit. That he would not taste death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. May I suggest to you that this man, Simeon, was chosen by God. And I use the word chosen here. It's not the, the word the Bible uses here. I'm using it. I want you to understand that. But God chose him. God chose him to see something. To see something and to hear something. He had had a promise from God that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ, and he had been chosen. Now We need to talk a little bit about word chosen. In, a, in, a, in American evangelical society that tends to lean a little bit toward uh, sort of fundamentalist uh, ideas. We kind of like the idea that maybe God just kind of reached out and grabbed someone who was going about his business and said I'm going to choose you and there is nothing in here about this man that would say that God chose him in that way there was a wonderful reciprocity there was a wonderful sharing of this choosing process This man said, oh God, this world we're living in, my heart is so broken by the sin and the perversion and the wickedness and the injustice. Something must happen. What will you do if only I could see your salvation? And God said, okay, you want it. I'll give it to you. I do not wish in any way to shortcut or to shortchange or to minimize God's wondrous grace or His sovereignty. Those must be fully intact. But at the same time, I urge us to understand that God does not force His choosing on us. He offers it. He offers it. And those who are wise and those who will, may reach out and take it. That's a wondrous thing. Who knows how long he had been in the city of Jerusalem waiting for this promise to come true. Who knows how many times he had come to the temple thinking, this will be that day. This child coming here will be that child. I I think he knew what time the those uh, consecration ceremonies were going to happen. And by the way, the word consecration is a much better word here than cleansing because they really didn't cleanse the mother or the child, which is the the meaning of the ritual. It is to signify a cleansing. And it is to show that the child who was given to God is now purchased back again, but still belongs to God nonetheless, but is in the hands of the parent. A wonderful, wonderful uh, ceremony that we uh, that we use often today in our churches for for child dedications, And and, and that ceremony there, I think he came often to where the babies were coming. (laughs) Don't you? Because something about this and his understanding of God's word made him know that that was going to be a special moment. And when it happened, he knew immediately, he said, I know, I see. I, I know it. God has given me this promise. God has brought me this place. In fact, if you look at the scripture here, three different times we're reminded of the work of the Holy Spirit. No other time in a, in a pre-Pentecostal history, no, no other time in all of scripture is the Holy Spirit used this so, in such a tight compact of words. I checked it to make sure. The Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit gave him a promise, the Holy Spirit brought him to the temple. Ladies and gentlemen, I love the doctrine of entire sanctification. I love it. I love the truth that God's Holy Spirit, when he comes into the life of the, of the, of the open And consecrated believer will sanctify that believer through and through and through and through again. I believe it, and I love it. But we need to remember that the Holy Spirit is not limited to just that experience at an altar somewhere. For those He has chosen for ministry, His Holy Spirit wants to rest on them and to speak through them and to lead them and to help them see we need the Holy Spirit to do that to us please understand I'm I'm departing a little bit here so I may just stop the sermon in the middle of my notes Uh, I I want to be cautious it is it is possible for us to to get some strange notions about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit's business is not to edify the one in whom he lives, is to edify the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit's job is to help us make the gospel so clear and so compelling and so winsome that other people would say, yes, that's what I've been waiting to hear. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, back to my notes. I'll, I'll get there. God chose this man to see, and he's chosen us to see some things, too. The fact that you're here at this college, this preparation is to help you be better seers. You've got to be careful with that word, too, because if you spell it out, it looks like a word from the occult, S-E-E-R. You've got to be really careful, but that's the intention. God wants us to see. He wants us to see carefully. Secondly, God chose Simeon to speak. It sounds too simple, but it will get more profound in a moment. Christianity is a wonderfully experiential religion. I I know there there are great and lofty thoughts to think. There are great books to be read, and you're reading them, and you'll read more of them before you're finished. And there are wonderful experiences to share, as we sing and as we pray and as we have these feelings and emotions. But there's also some things about Christianity that we must we must actually do. When this man saw the baby. He immediately reached out and took him in his arms he said, I must hold this child I must touch him in the book of John gospel according to John the first chapter it said he was in the beginning he's he's real he is experienceable first John the the, the epistle of first John said that what we have seen with our eyes which we have which we have felt our hands have handled of the word of life my wife called her mother uh, her, her mother, my mother-in-law uh, got a Christmas gift from her one of her grandsons he said, he said Granny I'm going to bring you a, a new pad to put on your bed so that you'll be comfortable sleeping and so on Christmas day he brought in under his arm a small package rolled up she said, what do you have there he said I have your new mattress pad and so he opened it up and rolled it out and it was about this long and about this wide but that thick she said that's a mattress pad he said yes he said let's find a place to lay it out in the spare bedroom we'll put it on a bed so it'll take about two weeks and she watched it grow for two weeks and after two weeks, it was the right size, and they put it on her bed and put the sheets over it, and she said it's the most comfortable thing she's ever slept on. You know what I said when I heard that? I said, I have got to see this. <laughs> You've you said that before. It, it, it's not that I doubt that it really happened. I, I'm, I'm sure it happened. I haven't seen it yet. My wife will ask me, What's the temperature outside? And I'll say, "What's well, It's 41. And then she'll get up and she'll go look at the thermometer. <laughs> you you know that. Why? Is she calling me a liar? No. Like, Are you? No. No. <laughs> She's not calling me. A liar. She wanted to see it for herself. Ladies and gentlemen, we're we're in the seeing business not only to see for ourselves but to help others see as well because people want to see they want to see and then they need to hear they need to clutch the baby in their arms if you will metaphorically to see for themselves and then he spoke Um, first of all he said something about himself he said uh, he said oh god now let your servant depart in peace, for I have seen your salvation. Uh, do, uh, do we understand that? I, I said it's experiential. Uh, imagine in your hand real peace, personal, soul-deep peace. You, you'll remember it. You you just finished Christmas dinner and the kids were all taking a nap or outside playing or something and the television set was turned off, no football games or something. And it was quiet and you could close your eyes and suddenly there wasn't anything to think about for just a few moments. Real peace, real peace. Just kind of hang on to that idea for a minute because we're going to use it here later in the sermon. This man said father you can let me depart in peace I've seen your salvation. I don't know I don't know I there was a time I thought he took three steps outside the temple and fell over dead that day Uh, but that he may have lived three more years I don't know I don't know how old he was when this happened though the indication would seem to be that he that he was an ancient person by this time but he said now I can die in peace the words were almost, I have lived far longer than I deserve to live or expected to live. Now you can let me die in peace. But he said, I have peace. So he said something about himself. The second thing he said about was about what he had seen. He said, I have seen salvation. I, I have always loved the word salvation. And the truth is that it is, it is not particularly... is not... Particularly popular among us, we don't, we don't dislike the word. We just don't use it very much anymore, not nearly enough. And I know there is more to salvation than just the the immediate act of God forgiving our sins and giving us new life. I know there's more to it than that, but certainly it is that. And when someone says God saved me, we understand what it really means. It means God took me and took my sins away and washed me clean and gave me new life we understand that and while we know there's so much more to it than that we know that without that it wouldn't be salvation at all so I love this word salvation and when he saw that baby and listen he saw a baby and didn't see a baby he saw salvation he saw God's mighty sovereign plan at work for the universe that's what he saw when he saw Jesus took eyes of faith to do that saw salvation He, he said that this salvation is a is a light of revelation and glory to the people of Israel so he said that so he had something to say it was based on tremendous knowledge of scripture he quotes scripture to get to this point He knew it was going to be a baby, so he understood Scripture far better than most did because he understood that there was going to be a baby born who was going to be the consolation of Israel. He knew that. He had great sensitivity to the Word and to the things of the Spirit. He was a devout man. He had something to say. We we must gather to ourselves so much richness that when we speak, we speak out of the depth of a knowledge of the workings of God and that we can see past the superficial things of life. And then, number three, by the way, I'm still hanging on to this piece. I'm going to talk about it here in just a minute. But number three, he was chosen by God to bless. The word bless here is used twice in this story. You notice that? The the first time it said that he blessed God. We almost exclusively use the word blessing for something that comes to us. Scripture over and over again talks about blessing going out from us. Well, there are a few places where it's coming this direction, but usually it's going this direction. He wasn't someone looking for a blessing. He was a person looking to bless. And to be chosen by God for ministry is to be chosen by someone who is there to bless when when you will or have already reached out and touched the forehead of a feverish person lying in a hospital bed and pray until they become calm. You will know what it's like to give a blessing. When you kneel at an altar with someone who is having life-ending difficulties and you say just the right word and didn't realize you were that wise, they will look at you and say, oh, thank you. You will understand what it means to be a blessing. When you sing the song and someone walks up and said, you have no idea, but God used that song for me, you'll know what it's like to be a blessing. And when you stand beside someone who picks up a telephone and calls their mother and father 3,000 miles away and says, Mom, Dad, I want you to know that tonight Jesus saved my soul. Thank you for praying for 20 years. You'll know what it's like to be a blessing. But he blessed God, first of all. He said, I bless you, God. I bless you because in the middle of this world, you have done something that has brought peace to my heart. I know there is wickedness and perversion. How long do you think he had to wade through it in the streets of Jerusalem because it was wicked back there back then? Just like it's wicked now. Maybe we have invented some new ways, but the hearts were no less wicked then as they are now. How many times did he say, Oh God, are you going to ever stop this? Now he said, it's done. I can remember a radio preacher when I was a a young adult. I listened to him on, on the car radio. He He's been dead 20 years, and they're still broadcasting his, his teachings. And, and I disagree with him theologically on so many things, but he's just interesting to listen to, a fellow named J. Vernon McGee. Maybe some of you ever heard of him. Uh, but I can remember him once saying, he said, if God doesn't rain fire and hell down on Los Angeles, California, he's going to owe an apology to Sodom and Gomorrah. Just, it, was just, it was just such a vivid phrase. I just can't help but let, but hang on to it. And you know what? I, even though I had never been to Los Angeles at the time, I said, whoa, that must be a bad place. That must be horrid. We laugh at that. But you have seen the commercials, and you say to yourself, if, if our society really is what these commercials are saying, these situation comedies on television, if that's what our world is really like, God, how long will you let this go on? And this man looked at God and said, I bless you because I see that you have given the answer for all this I bless you God what a wonderful plan the second thing he did the second thing he did is he blessed Joseph and Mary and it's perhaps the strangest blessing I've ever heard he said this child is a, is a sign to be spoken against or opposed is what the NASB says uh, I don't know what the NIV says the King James version uses the word uh, to be to be uh, spoken against he said this child is a sign a banner to be spoken against this child exists for the falling and rising of many and he's going to exist to lay bare the thoughts and the reasonings of many people And he said, and your heart too is going to be pierced. Probably speaking of the time when she will have to watch her own son die on a cross. That was the content of his blessing. Now I told you that you're going to need this peace here. I've worried a little bit because sometimes I caught myself and I've caught the rest of us in the pulpits up here talking to the students and saying, oh, if you only knew how bad it was to be in ministry. You only knew how many, how many people are going to criticize you and how you're going to try to do the right thing and they're not going to let you and they're going to take advantage of you and they're not going to love you. And, folks, that's been true for everything, everywhere that I know about. But I want to tell you that the peace that Simeon was talking about was a peace that he had that worked no matter where, no matter when, no matter how. And if God has chosen you for ministry, to do anything else would be misery and to do that even in the midst of the kind of world we have is the most wonderful thing it is the most gratifying the most joyous the most powerful things have I ever been hurt in my life you bet I have Have I been disappointed? Have there been people who have lied about me and cut me and hurt me? You bet they have. Have I sorrowed and cried about it? Yes, I have. But I can tell you there is a peace that is so deep and so powerful, I wouldn't trade that peace for anything. I wouldn't let go of it for anything. Because I have seen God's salvation. I've held it in my arms. Touched it with my hands. Seen it with my eyes. Heard it with my ears. Tasted it. It's real. It's real. It works. It works. And when I stop long enough, I take a deep breath and I open up my heart. I find a nugget of peace there so powerful. I want it to be there ever, and it's there because I have said, God, I want to see, and he said, you've got it. Hang on. The time is coming. It'll be so real you'll, you'll lap it up. And over and over again, he has made that to be true. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we have prayed that you would open our hearts, and we need you to open them. We, we throw them open, those doors of our hearts, we throw them open as best we can, and we need for you now with your great and powerful hands to open them wider until you can come in and help us see. This is your work, this is your plan. That baby back then represented all of your power, all of your grace, all of your love, all of your preparations. Thank you for letting us be part of it. You have chosen us, Father, to see. You have chosen us to speak. And now, Lord, we pray that you would choose us to be a blessing and help us understanding there is no real contradiction in the pain that will come and the blessings that will overshadow every bit of it. We thank you for this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.